Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And I'm shocked that Rutgers is actually up in Northwestern because the stat I thought of the week uh, last week was they made they had two completions yesterday last yeah uh, last week against Maryland if I heard two I, two are two. you still uh, Division One eligible maybe they could call you I, up I don't know I mean that is just Rutgers uh Rutgers <laughs> wow. not 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 what the Big Ten was expecting when they brought him in no no oh no two completions that's that's pretty ugly. And so, if you're, so Z-Man's a quarterback in training. Michaelson's a meteorologist. A what's my date? What's no, my no, side no, no, hustle? No, no, no. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm strictly a guard. <laughs> I, 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 I could play tackle back in the day, but not no more. I played I guard, believe it or not. I Yes, you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Was that the coach's decision? Or? No, it was mine. Basketball, right, you're talking? No, no, on, <laughs> on the football field. Yeah. <laughs> So 165 pound guard. Uh, no, I was smaller than I was about 110. Wow! So what? And this is it's high like school. JV, yeah. Oh, JV, okay. Yeah, yeah. Basketball was always my game. You know, nothing like having a five foot five inch power forward. I just don't understand why the NBA career didn't happen. But I'm still hoping. Every and as a matter of fact, every time I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, I think I got a chance to make the roster. We had a guy in Milwaukee Hamilton who would help scrimmage the varsity team out and he had played and I forget I don't even know his name he was 5 foot 6 he could he could dunk he was an incredible athlete this kid had well it wasn't a kid he was an old guy he was probably like 24 <laughs> but this guy had like like uh uh his legs were just I mean I don't know if he also played soccer or something but he had what would be kind of called you know, those soccer, soccer type legs, you know, and, and I mean, it was incredible. I remember, uh, I was helping scrimmage the, the varsity team. Cause I was in no way, no way good enough for that. And, you know, I, when I, when I first saw him, you know, I'm like, okay, here we go. So I went and <laughs> shot, he blocked my shot. I'm like, what the, <laughs> cause at that time I was still, I was six foot two, but I was like, Oh my gosh! <laughs> that was I was like, I'm I'm sure I had the stupidest look on my face when he blocked my shot. I mean this this kid was just incredible. But anyways, getting back to the world of racing. All right, Tony, what is going on with uh, Team McLaren IndyCar next year? Are we just looking at Indy 
the Indianapolis 500, or are we going to see a little bit more? Like uh, like sunny and 60 degrees on an October Saturday, the McLaren IndyCar thing has been a mirage all year. <laughs> the amount of words and articles and conjecture and everything that's been wasted about this deal since May has been mind-numbing. And I... I, so this week, Zach Brown, so the U.S. Grand Prix is this weekend, and I can't tell you how after the last five years, you know, being with NBC Sports, now not this year because of two other new opportunities that came around, I can't tell you how much stress-free more this weekend has been not having to deal with that. Anyway, Zach Brown talks uh, during the press conference yesterday for team principal. He's like, yeah, McLaren's not doing IndyCar full season next year, and, you know, Indy 500 still might happen, which is – what anyone could have predicted reasonably in in May and June after the initial meetings were held, and you know Zach and his McLaren people are making the rounds, and you know Alonzo's been talking up, and now Alonzo comes out this morning, he's like, oh yeah, no, full season IndyCar was never in the plans for me. It's just he has this way of manipulating the conversation mm-hmm. to be like, oh well, they don't want you know I I'm greater than this, you know, and IndyCar. Meanwhile, you know we we talked up a lot of their good. One of their unfortunate things I think this year is how much they bent over backwards on social media to be like oh fernando's coming fernando's coming clarence coming and they're not so i mean you have such a good group of current people that are already here all mclaren would do would add to it but you look at where mclaren's out in formula one their reputations in the tank their programs in the tank it's you know it's not the brand caliber that it should be and frankly needs to get its own house in order before they add additional programs to it and i think the other exciting news though is an addition, uh, additional dr- or new driver on on the series next year, and that's the new driver of the number ten car, Felix. Yes. Is it Rosenvisk? Rosenquist. 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 And tell tell the fans uh, about Felix, who's uh, you know a lot of a lot of people are going to go, oh, who is this guy? But I I've known of him, and, and and this this kid was fast. I mean, he had a test if I recall with Ganassi about three years ago. So. Let's see. So he's a Swedish kid. He's managed by Stefan Johansson, who's also Scott Dixon's manager. Um, he's been in DTM. He's Formula 3 champion. He's He basically is F1 quality talent, but he just didn't have the right – again, you talk about timing opportunity over there. It didn't happen. Came stateside, won half the Indy Lights races that he competed in, you know, three or four out of, you know, eight or nine starts. And it was only a partial season. Chip tested him twice, you know. We talk about Chip's NASCAR program. Chip's IndyCar program is still one of the best three teams in the sport year in and year out. But they've never quite gotten the performance out of the 10 car since they switched to the DW12 a few years ago. Dario was never even able to get fully around it. TK was had his moments, you know, and then unfortunately Ed Jones was a one and done this year. So Rosenquist, they had to pry him out of his Formula E contract. They were able to do that. And now I first heard in mid-July that he was kind of, you know, likely going to be in this seat next year, but it took till a few weeks ago to get it confirmed. He'll be an exciting addition. I think he will do for that team what Robert Wickens was able to do for Schmidt, if not more, uh, in his first season. And then, of course, and then Ed Jones then is moving to the 20 car. Right. So in basically a move to save the printing department at Ed Carpenter Racing— <laughs> They will give Ed Jones the road course races, Ed Carpenter the oval races. Ed Jones will drive a third car at the Indy 500 uh, in partnership with Scuderia Corsa. So that's a championship-winning sports car program. They want to run Ferraris. Hey, we might see Ed in a Ferrari sports car at the mm-hmm. endurance races, hypothetically. I mean, since that connection is there, I don't know if that will happen, but it would put two and two together. Um, I still rate him pretty highly. He was 
not an ideal situation for him this year. It was kind of last minute thrown in. They wanted Rosenquist last year. He wasn't available. They wanted Brendan Hartley. He got pulled in F1. I was like, oh, cool. We'll take you. You're third. So it's like when you get roast beef instead of ham or turkey in the sandwich line. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's good. I like that. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I thought the Ed Jones thing was because he he did so well, and it seemed like such a comfort, comf- like a real meshing of a team when he was with Dale Coyne in seventeen, and it was kind of a surprise because I guess Coyne had thought that hey, we're gonna have Ed Jones for eighteen anyways. Yeah, and, and that whole deal was weird, too, because Ed Jones should have done a lot better in the new car than he did this year because he was coming from a car that was very similar in the Indy Lights car, aero, downforce, et cetera. It was, was very close, and the braking is really, really closely in alignment. But he went to chip and just was not able to mesh whatsoever on a more over-downforce car. And what hurt him more than Dixon having just an otherworldly season was kind of his contemporaries. You know, Spencer Piggott, Zach Veach, those were probably the two most impressive young drivers this mm-hmm. year. And Jones, you would have expected to be kind of on their, their level given where they're at in their careers, and he just wasn't really able to do that. He made two mistakes earlier this year. He's running second at Phoenix. He crashed out. He had a terrible month of May at Indy. I think he was pretty much sealed fate was sealed in, in May before the rest of the year even had got going. Kind of yeah. like Nicholas Manassian. <laughs> he made out the season at least. So hey, he's victory. still running though. I mean, he ran Milwaukee after an awful May, and you can kind of tell the writing was on the wall, but they brought him the in, to Milwaukee. When was it? 2002, 3? 1. 2001 already. But he's still running, isn't he? Manassian in Europe, and he runs. I think he he's, he ran twenty four hours at Daytona. I think, yeah, so. he's he's around. He's yeah. the racing version of looking like what Robin Williams looks like. So. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him. God bless Dennis. There is so much young talent that you can talk about in the IndyCar series, and you're right. Their only problem is that they still have this inferiority complex that they need some big star to go from one series to the other when that guy's career is really like all about what was in the past it's not the present you're so right when you talk about all these great rising stars these young kids that we've seen come up through the road to indie series which was the whole idea in the I, first place and and you're just chock full with all this talent it's a low-hanging fruit though i mean to have an f1 guy of his quality though it, it's He's doing. I don't want to say he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but Tony, I think you can back me up on this. Is it is a story? It's not Mansell. I, I don't because that was different. Mansell was 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 so huge, and the media was so much different back then too, where it is t- today. But I, I I think yeah, it, it would be a big deal if he came in. I think IndyCar was. I'm doing everything they can to make it happen, but yeah, they kind of look a little bit of egg it, on it, their face, right? Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm torn by it because I think there is the positive to it, like, like we said, but I, I think, you know, and I had some conversations with you know some friends and colleagues this year about this. It was like you are at this critical point, and and what was really interesting for me this year was I played fan basically at a couple of races this year. I watched the Phoenix and Long Beach races in the stands with my dad, and so for driver intros, the driver that gets the biggest cheers is Tony Kanaan. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, 
you know, with no disrespect to TK, who's, you know, great, you know, been a long stalwart, you know, the, the elder statesman of the series now is very popular. But why aren't the young guys getting those same level of applause yet? Why is Newgarden not getting that? Why is Rossi not getting that? Why is any of these, you know, eight to 10 drivers that you see? I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, the accident for Wickens, look at how popular that's made him. And, you know, now everyone's like the best story of the IndyCar offseason is watching Rob's already what seems like a superhuman type recovery that he's invited us on the journey for that. That's those are the kind of people IndyCar needs to be pushing rather than a guy that, oh, look, he won two world championships 12 years ago and, you know, basically hijacked the news cycle for nothing. And you turn back the clock and everybody was saying, oh, IndyCar needs an American champion. And that'll put them on the on the uh, you know the, the the front page. Then they have a well, American they, they, champion, well, they got, and they don't. They well, don't. no, they got Hunter Ray, and then Randy Bernard decided, oh, I'm going to get launched, so let's have that be the discussion over the over the winter. Then they get Newgarden, and then Verizon pulls out. So it's like there, there's always something, right? I mean, there's always something, but there's such an incredible amount of young talent that you've grown. Let's have a little balance. You know, it's it's great to talk about the the great. Formula One star from the past that wants to come here, but have a little well, balance. Let's also remember that most racing fans are absolute liars. <laughs> what they are they're, owners. They're 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 just like politicians. What they say and do are two completely different things. Because Tony George was told, "You get American drivers, and the fans will come back in droves." So he starts the the Indy Racing League, which had pretty much eighty percent American drivers. From the dirt tracks, you had all the guys. These are the guys the fans want to see. And then you had 5,000 people at Loudoun. So, you know, I, as working at the Milwaukee Mile, we went through this too. Got to bring USAC back. Oh, we got to bring USAC. Oh, we need the midgets out there, this and that. And we have Silver Crown and midgets, and we have 500 people in the grandstands. So, yes, racing fans, what they say and do are two completely different things. They go, we, I won't watch though. There's Americans and IndyCar. Well, there's more Americans in IndyCars than there has been in 25 years. And yes, it, it is, uh, the ratings are up, but I, I think if you've gone to, and Tony, I mean, I think the demographics look a lot better for IndyCar right now than unfortunately a lot of other series with, there's a lot of youth at, 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 at in, in when you're seeing at the in the crowds, yeah, I think so. I think metrics is kind of the big buzzword within within IndyCar for younger younger generation. They they have done a good job with that the last couple of years. Um, the the I think I go back to the Portland turnout and the amount of families that were there for that. That was that was impressive. So I think give it two three years as you kind of start to see. There's kind of this last little tier of like, you know, the post split guys that were new at that point, you know, the Dixons, Hunter Reyes, Canons, et cetera. And they're, they're not slowing down by any stretch, but I think you're, you're almost to that critical mass where it's going to be that new wave kind of leading within the next, yeah, like I said, two, three and years. And yes, there are still people fighting this civil war. You still, I call them. <laughs> it's been 20 years, I call man. them. 10 are, since the merger. They are the guys on the porch in their old straw hat saying, the South will rise again. <laughs> You know, and they got their champ. You see them at the races wearing their twenty-year-old champ car T-shirts. I mean, as someone who who had the unique opportunity to work at a track that had both races, I was like, you know, I was, you know, 
Bob, Bob, you know, Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby said it right. There, 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 there is blood on both both sides, on the hands of both of them. So, I mean, it it, it was just an ugly situation. It's time to move on. But, I mean, I, I see these guys, and you see it on social media, on Facebook. Tony, we both seen it, and 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 uh, and other uh, postings. You just you, somebody says something, and then they swing it around, and oh well, you know, or they talk about the 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 was it the DPO one, the champ car. Yeah, the amount yeah. of love for a car that raced one year and never did an oval race is ridiculous. I, you know, I <laughs> not just, saying <laughs> just yeah, yeah, bring it back, play Freebird. You know, yeah. you got <laughs> right. you just got yeah, these you know evangelists. You know, it's like I saw there was a Carter Champ Car reunion like a, two, a week yes. or two ago, and I'm like, I get that you want to celebrate it, but don't make the past the only thing you're happy about. Right? It just it doesn't help anyone going forward. The present world of IndyCar is really darn good right it now. is it's yeah. it's a rising star now granted it's rising from a lower level okay mm-hmm. because it had been beaten down so bad but i'm really positive about the future for indycar as long as they they go ahead and they don't try to be you know wanting that instant success in the next year or two if they're looking at the long haul they're looking at just good steady growth i think they have connected with the young racing fan again and in the short attention span type of hey look oh that's a squirrel yeah. <laughs> type of people they've really done a good job of that and if they can continue to build on their success while keeping you know people from revolting and and not all of a sudden you know pulling on the same end of the rope i think they'll be really really good i i'm really bullish about the history or the the future i should say i'm right really now. bullish on the final 40 minutes of this the show so let's take a quick break and we when we come back we'll talk more with dennis michelson and tony dezino and myself steve zotke and let's not forget tony anthony mandela behind the board here working hard so, i mean he's white he's actually wiping the sweat from his brow he's working so hard so God bless them. Uh, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Yes, they are closed today due to snow pellets and wind. So, But make sure you check out social media at Great Lakes Dragway on Facebook or Twitter and see they may be open tomorrow. So if the weather turns around, which there is a good chance of it, uh, they will have cars on the track at Great Lakes Dragway. And if you can't get out to Great Lakes Dragway today, why don't you head over to 6100 North Green Bay Road and get yourself a new Honda or a wide variety of used cars. So check out David Hobbs Honda for all the latest in their inventory. Lots of deals, and they will work with you and your credit. So David Hobbs Honda, make sure you check them out. And I'm back in studio. It is the prodigal sons of the final inspection show, Dennis Michelson and Tony DeZeno, fresh from their busy racing season and uh Dennis let's start start with you um what's the biggest thing 
you can bring from the 2018 season thus far? What's the thing that kind of said, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, or just a wow moment or anything? doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be national. It could be local, anything. Wow. Um, What's the first thing that pops in your head? Feel-good moment, whatever. Well, sadly, you know, I, I hate to be the nabob of negativism here, but my biggest takeaway from this year as a whole, especially if we talk NASCAR, is like constant disappointment. Like the hype over great racing, you know, oh, we're going to see this epic battle. And then it turns out to be nothing. But as far as a, you know, like a a moment out of the year that, you know, goes down in history, like I'm not sure I'm bringing one away from this season, um, from the major racing series. Um, yeah, there was a lot of great racing, but, I always equate things as as to will we remember anything that happened this year, 20 years from now? And I'm not so sure. Like, as good as the racing has been, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure there's a one memory that's going to stick out. Yeah, I'm going to get more philosophical, and I'm going to look at the sea change kind of from a business of racing standpoint. Because there's been a lot of things that came to an end this year that really have it has a potential to craft how things go forward this is the last year for abc doing the indy 500 after 54 years indycar goes to nbc next year this was the last year for fox sports doing imsa you know speed they they've been a a fabric of you know sports car households for 22 years you've had dale earnhardt jr come into the booth you can kind of tell there's a lot of tv related things that i'm I'm noting here but I, i look back and really as the evolution of motorsports has changed you're starting to see these other bigger sea changes within the overall entertainment landscape. And are the series themselves matching up to keep those viewer interests? You know, I think that's kind of been the theme here is that IndyCar is pivoting to try to get that younger market. What's NASCAR doing in a year where most of its ratings have been down almost exclusively with the exception of one or two things? They tried the Roval. That might be the memorable NASCAR standout this year, which was kind of a joke. You know, when you look at you watch the going into turn one and six, seven cars crash. I'm like, this isn't helping your product or your optic guys. Um, you look at where IMS is at, you know, Penske Yost coming in and neither one of them really had a huge amount of success. I will look at this year as look at all these big picture things that have changed. You know, other, other entities have moved on. Uh, others are coming in with bigger programs in 2019. You know, that's, that's where we look at, you know, this year is kind of that, that moment in the sand where things change. You know, I, so I'm a full. So we, we talked about side hustles. So Michaelson's a meteorologist. You're a backup <laughs> quarterback, and I've I've got my PhD in deciphering how the heck this all makes sense. Social media. Where 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 are we going to be getting our ra- our racing information? How much is is auto racing, motorsports in general, ahead or behind on that? Do you think, Tony? Um, I think. Boy, that's a good question. I think the way the motorsports media landscape has changed in the last three to five years where social media is the first driver more than the addendum, I think that's kind of changed the game. You look at, you know, I I haven't covered a NASCAR race in several years, so I'm not attuned to the, the how accurate this is. But Jenna Fryer from the AP went on this major rant this after the end of Talladega, be like, mm-hmm. oh, the big race in NASCAR is who leaves first and, you know, who gets to the private jets? And Dennis, you may be able to weigh on this more, but 
you know, if there's not as many people covering NASCAR full time, I mean, I'm not at every IndyCar race anymore. It's not a huge media core that we had to begin with. What does that tell you about the story and, and so many drivers and teams and sanctioning bodies and, and marketing partners? Now they're the ones trying to drive the news content as opposed to the people that should be just on the outside covering it. Well, the crazy transition that I've seen on the NASCAR side of things, when I first started getting involved in motorsports journalism as a freelance producer of content, it was tough to get credentials Mm -hmm. to a NASCAR race circa 2001. We had to work our way up. It took me three years building a following in the world of, of freelance reporting until I was even granted a chance to have a a credential at a major racing event. And we've gone to the point now where, like, you know, Joe's NASCAR page is able to get credentials to their local race. So that's what Radio Joe does in his spare time. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Radio Joe. Um, but no, it's it's gone, like, from having a good 15 to 20 full-time NASCAR reporters down to Bob Pockras. You know, I I hate to be that blunt, but he's about the only one out there that that has any any stories on a weekly basis that are memorable. And you've gone from having these great writers like Steve Wade and David Poole mm-hmm. on the NASCAR circuit to guys whose main talent is cutting cutting and pasting a PR release and adding five lines and calling that an article. It's embarrassing what some of the media has been and then you still got the good guys and i guess that's one of the reasons i've enjoyed following the indycar circuit more is we've got some talent that are is it might not be a huge group but you still got a talented bunch of of reporters that are covering that side of the sport in nascar you got bob pockris and that's about it jenna fryer's other rant was about like everybody and their third cousin being able to get credentials because NASCAR built these, you know, all the NASCAR tracks built these amazing media centers because of all the reporters that were on the national beat because every magazine, every newspaper had their own guy. And now you've got everything syndicated. Well, and the and observer got... doesn't send anything. No. So it's like neither the, like, you know, the Indy stars now, because they're part of the Gannett network. Now it's like, you've got one guy who, you know, Jim Ayala is yeah. in his second year. And he's quickly learned, but you know, there's that stuff's getting syndicated out to six, eight, ten different things all through the USA Today. I mean, Coleman, who's I'm sure a good friend of all of ours, it's like you know, does he get to travel as much anymore? Now, granted, he's probably filled with all the woke Milwaukee stuff going on this week, <laughs> but um, that voice and being able to tell the stories. I feel like it shifted so much to the participants themselves. And it's like you're getting more inside access because the social media platforms have provided that. So it's like you're seeing more from the well, drivers. And, and, and I think the one thing you're missing too, though, if you and I cover a story, yeah, we're going to cover it differently. Yeah. You're, sure. you're going to see it at one perspective and I'm going to see it at another. And so as a reader, you kind of have that choice where you might not agree with mine, but you agree with Tony's or vice versa. And you go, or, or Tony might be on one side of the pit area talking to some people and I might be getting different stories. So you, you had that layer layering of different stories, you know, uh, I may, you know, you develop relationships with different teams and that, 
and the relationships with some of the teams or people I know may be different from that other person. So, and that's I think that's another thing that's been missing in motorsports. In the NASCAR world, you got the NASCAR wire service that is basically pushing about ninety percent of the stories out right. there, yeah. because that's the only thing that's there every week is them and Bob Parker's. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break when we return. Uh, I wanna we're gonna spend some time on a website. And there's two stories I want to talk about, and I think you'll find it interesting, and we'll uh, respond to that when we come back on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by David Obsonda and Great Lakes Driveway. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Unfortunately, closed today due to weather. Make sure you check out their social media today uh, and tomorrow regarding the, they're, they're going to be open tomorrow, which they may be. We'll have to see. Um, and also David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com. Uh, Tony DeZino and Dennis Michelson joining us in studio. And Tony, I wanted to mention somebody that we lost this week. I didn't know him personally. I met him. I had a couple of conversations with him, but he's one of those gentlemen that, you know, once you somebody has passed, you kind of go, wow, I wish I kind of knew him no, more, and that was John Thawley. And I, I'm a, I'm assuming uh, that you knew him much better than I did, and maybe just spend me, you know, give me a give me a minute on, on John, John. You seem to – you can always tell uh, when, unfortunately, who, who passed – John Thawley passed away this week uh, by – the people that knew him best and what they say about him. Yeah. Um, this was a tough one because similar to Dave Reininger, John Dolly is one of those dudes that you just saw at the track all the time. Mm-hmm. You didn't necessarily know him unless you were kind of in the right setting, but you knew of him. Right. And John's story was more about his telling the photo- pho- photographic story with people more than cars yeah for being an auto racing photographer he let his he was kind of known for his faces at the races and you know when i started out our our um our good friend john DeGeese from sports car 365 john d and i had kind of had our like parallel career tra- trajectory where we both kind of come up at the same time we'd both you know gotten our opportunities him with speed me with racer and Thawley was kind of a guy who was a, a voice of a sounding board for both of us as we were growing up uh he helped he was really beneficial to john's early career launch and i don't think a lot of people knew that he was a guy that you know philosophical without being blunt i think would be a good way to describe it photographers now most most of these days they think they know the world they think they have all the answers they blow up your facebook comments and Thawley's comments always be more reason like he enjoyed a good cup of coffee. He hated Starbucks among all costs, which again, if you're in motorsports and you're trying to find good coffee that is open and available, good on you. Um, but yeah, just had a good spirit and had a really good eye for, um, for just telling the human side of the sport. I mean, he made me look good, which, you know, that's, that's hard to pull off. There's a pic on, on Facebook from like a couple of years ago that just is like, killer so um yeah rest in peace he had a uh he had cancer that kind of just came a lot quicker than i think people thought mm-hmm. and uh yeah that was that was it um i, I checked in on with peter de lorenzo on autoextremist.com who i ran into 
at the concourse up at Elkhart Lake this year because you run into everybody at the concourse up at Elkhart Lake, downtown Elkhart Lake. Uh, but he wrote he wrote a column uh, this week that just blew me away. And I just love guys. Guys that have been around for a while have stories, and I love stories. But this is a story that that's on two levels because it's going to blow you away on, on, on how and how things are different and maybe that's part of the problem. Um, he talks about, um, let's see here. I got to get this right. Well, here, let's just, I'll just read a couple paragraphs here real quick. Uh, it was late 19, it was late March, 1966. My Tony, who was in his last year at the university of Notre Dame had a friend, G- Gary Coles, who had organized the third edition of a sports car show on campus at Notre Dame for the first three days of, of April. It was the Sports Car Spectacular, as it was called, and turned out to be spectacular indeed. Because of my dad's heavy-duty contacts throughout the industry, this little car show was a very big deal. All the manufacturers weighed in. Ford sent Jim Clark's 1965 Indianapolis 500 winning Lotus Ford and several hot production and racing cars from its total performance marketing era, including Freddie Lorenzen's cars. Chrysler was represented, too, with a plethora of hot production Hemis and later full-on NASCAR stockers from Richard Petty. But that wasn't all because uh, besides some of his current, current, current styling concepts like the Corvette Mako Shark 1 and 2 and the Mazda GT and SS, what GM brought to the show was a shocker and still talked about this day. Uh, he talks about uh, he brought they brought a Corvette, but this was not ordinary. No ordinary, no ordinary Corvette. This was a car specially built for Ed Cole, one of uh, GM's legendary engineers, who developed the small block V8 among uh, thousands of others. Brilliant, brilliant accomplishments to for his wife Dolly. And uh, he goes, he who he brought this uh, a special Corvette, and there was a Cobra, uh, Cobra GT Mustangs, uh, GT uh, 350s, and he goes on and on about this show on campus at Notre Dame. And I look back, and uh, Tony, you might not remember this, but Brookfield Square in, I want to say in February or March, would have a racing display with where all a bunch of local cars would be there from uh, maybe an Indy car or a uh, uh you know, maybe like an ARCA car or, you know, late model stock car, but also the dirt track cars, sportsman, late models, maybe a modified midget and whatnot. And this was a way to kind of racing, get, get people to see these cars up close. And I think of this, when was the last time you heard of anything automotive like that being on display at a campus? And I just wanted to bring this up to you. Is this, is this part of the problem where, you know, you talk about one of the issues you hear about with kids going to college and the trades um, are just looking for people. There's nobody going to the trades and unions and whatnot are looking for all, all the all the electrical people and, and all sorts of, you know, tr- trade union uh, apprentices and that. Is, is this something that maybe if the manufacturers who are st- more involved in racing now than they were you know, back in the sixties in some ways, are, are they missing out on doing stuff more with the high schools and colleges? Um, I think they're trying to work their way back into it more. I think you've 
there's been a lot more kind of STEM related type events that have prop, popped up over the last couple of years. And uh, Honda in particular has been pretty active on that front. Um, they do three or four of those, I think they're called steam connection events every year. Um, it is, it is an area where you, you, you like street races or things that bring races to the people. But if, people on college campuses or high school campuses that aren't aware of it, they wouldn't know. I mean, the majority of young mm-hmm. people that get into the sport do it because they have a family lineage, not because they stumbled upon it randomly on NBCSN or FS2 or whatever network, you know, is, it's been thrown to. So I think I think it's an opportunity that hopefully more manufacturers and schools can work together to take advantage of in the future. It is an interesting way to look at the transition of of things in the auto racing world. Z-Man, you and I, when we were younger, it was a thrill to see that race car. I remember going to uh, Universal Oil Products to to see race cars when they would show up because they had that sponsorship. Mm-hmm. I remember going out to uh, the local uh, STP distributorship to see, you know, Andy Granatelli bringing his cars in and you know, paying me and giving me a bunch of of decals to pass out to all my friends because it was the cars that we got excited about. Now it is the technical aspect or it's the, you know, it's social media. It is the, you know, the science of racing that is that they're using to try to get this next, you know, generation excited about racing. It's not the cars themselves. I mean, we, we've seen the the show car thing. But, I, you know, from a kid's point of view, I, okay, there's a race car there. There's a fold-up table with some driver you may or may not know or you heard of. Oh, yeah. oh that's how he looks type. That's not, I don't think know, it's as relevant no, necessarily. But if you had a situation like this, I mean, what, what this <laughs> thing that they had in Notre Dame, it's a sports car spectacular. It was. It sounds like they had... They had probably about 20 to 30 cars in which if you were down the block, you're like, what's going on over there? Let's check this out. Not going to Kmart 15 years ago and and seeing Christian Fittipaldi sitting there, you know, next to the hosiery or something, you know, is not is not going to make, you know, IndyCar fans. But but here's the thing is we understand how significant those cars are. Because we love racing already. To the average Joe walking on the campus who's never been to an auto race, yeah, they look cool, but those cars have no more significance than but if a seen, street stock from from Kokomo right, was there. Right, and and that's another thing where I think uh, there's the big problem with racing. Is the cars are fugly. I well, mean, all we, the were same. Talking, we were talking about the late model dirt yeah. car. Uh, late model, uh, the dirt late models. I, I'm. I'll be honest. It's I a hate, little wedge. I hate those things. It's a little I wedge. Doorstop. Yeah, they are ugly. A a a, a a a stock car on dirt is what Frank Smith used to race here. He had a Ford Mustang that was just famous at Hills Corner Speedway and, and and Cedarburg and whatnot. That because you know when you sat in the stands, you knew that was a Ford Mustang. Yeah, it looked like a Ford yeah. Mustang. And whether you're, a, and that's, especially back then, it was even more. We had Chevy guys. I'm going to cheer for the Camaro. My buddy's going to cheer for the Mustang. You might not know the drivers, but you're going to cheer for the car. And I think that's kind of lost in, in a way. But IMSA, 
I think, for a person on the street, has the best-looking cars. I'm not too happy with the prototypes right now. I think they look better open, but that's that's me. But the GT series, the Ferraris, your Porsches, the Corvettes, now, those are hot cars, and I think people can associate with those. Well, and then they're more closely aligned to the you know fans of that brand too, where they can drive you know car corrals and, and whatever else passionate stuff is there i mean you know you you looked at most of their and and it was reflected in the in the fan attendance this year it was up 15 percent you know at most races this year if not more i mean petite we just had last week petite le mans road atlanta was a or now michelin raceway road atlanta as it'll be called next year um that'll that had a record crowd and the reason for that is because of the variety of cars which is like i always tell people about sports car racing don't get bogged down in the minutiae embrace the variety first and then ask questions about the details later yeah so. very good i we have to take a break when we come back predictions because we're getting close on to the final uh, top of the hour here so Time is flying by. We're having so much fun. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by David Absanda and Great Lakes Railway. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Getting towards the end of the show, I would like to thank Dennis Michelson and Tony DeZeno for joining me in studio because you guys make it so much easier. Oh, we're feeling the love. So, uh, Tony, of course, uh, Trackside Online, IndyCar best in coverage. You pay a little bit for it, but it's worth it, isn't it? 22 bucks a year gets you all the all the info, all the emails, all the insidery type stuff. So, yeah, my colleagues Patrick Seffen and Steve Woodich are the two primaries, and when they're bored and they want a fast typer, they call me up. So, works well. <laughs> Dennis Michelson, you have a big event coming up uh, in about a month and a half. Absolutely. A new venture as well that I'm launching for next year, D-Mike Media and Marketing. You're going to hear all about that in the coming months, but the Racetrack Business Conference. Racetrack businessconference.com if you're going down to pri come a day early sign up for the racetrack business conference you will get a master's degree in auto racing the business of racing uh in that one afternoon you, eight hours of craziness last year you had a big uh keynote speaker didn't you? oh yeah 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 we had mr jay fry last year from indycar and i'll tell you um he impressed the heck out of me he really did and uh, this year i'm not sure who our our keynote is yet but we got everybody from Mark Basso from Audubon, um, Tom Deary from uh, World of Outlaws will be there. Kendra Jacobs, the director of marketing from Knoxville uh, Raceway will be there and just about everybody under the sun. So you're going to love it. Uh, about 30 different guests. We do about seven segments throughout the day covering the business of speed. Uh, Tim Frost from the uh, National Speedway Directory putting it on for our seventh year and I'm Proud to say I'm the only host he's ever had. Very good, very good. And it's time for predictions. Of course, we have uh, NASCAR in Kansas. Uh, Jeff Rolowski emailed me, and he said uh, he's going to go with uh, punk number two. That's uh, Denny Hamlin. So that's his, his choice. Uh, please, Dennis. Ryan Blaney Ryan is my Blaney, pick. Team Penske number 12. Tony. Push Kevin Harvick. 
Ooh. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I will go with. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Harvick too. It's a little bit of a chalk pick. And then we're going to go F1, and we know Lewis Hamilton will win the United States Grand Prix down at Coda once again. Uh, so we were going to pick the second-place finisher. So, uh, Dennis. Uh, when it comes to F1, uh, since Lewis Hamilton has it uh, all wrapped up, I'm going to take Sebastian Vettel as my pick for second Sebastian place. Sebastian Vettel. And that's an awful English accent. Just so I'm not you know. sure Thank what that much. was supposed to be, but... Um, <laughs> I will go Mad Max for stopping for P2. Okay. I'll go with Botas. Domination from the Mercedes side. They're stinking up F1. So, um, oh, let's do one more prediction. Game seven. Are you kidding me? It's going to be the Brewers, and it's going to be 4-2 to two in 10 innings. Walk ooh, off home ooh. run. Walk off two run home. I run. hope it's not a ten inning game. Uh, I don't know where you can take that. <gasps> Brew, Crew, Brew Crew six three. How about you, Anthony? Uh, go Brewers five four and nine. I'm gonna go Brewers three one. Walk off home run tonight to win it all. You think so? That huh? place is gonna go nuts. All right. Thank you for joining. I appreciate you guys coming on. Make sure you check us out. Uh, and also check out my Green and Gold podcast. Me and Jeff Orlowski. So check that out on Facebook. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.